BGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 661, recorded on August 23rd, 2022. Sixty-first edition of the TV Gaming Podcast and four hundred ninety-fourth episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I am Scott Dirk, and I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. You know, I just realized. Um, first, we can have the six hundred sixty-sixth edition, and then the very next episode is going to be the five hundredth episode. Imagine if they were both on the same day. Eh, well. So yeah, Gamescom is is, is is starting, and we're not going to talk about it this week because there's just too much to talk about. We're going to talk about it next week when we see everything. I will say this, though. Um, on the quick news, I noted that Railway Empire takes a, you know, Railway Empire 2 was announced, and this was before Gamescom, and though it's being shown off at Gamescom. But both it and Dungeons 4 are Game Pass, and I noticed something that I've started doing. I've started skipping to the end of a lot of videos just to see if the Game Pass logo was there. There's so many games that have the Game Pass logo on the end that you wouldn't expect. It is pretty impressive, I think, that Microsoft has managed to get so many on there and making just a big library available for anyone to use the service. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, like... it. It definitely feels like Game Pass is kind of, I don't want to say a destination, but it, got, it definitely feels like Xbox has their shit together when it comes to gathering these titles and amassing its library on Game Pass. Like, I don't think that it's a goal. I don't necessarily think it's a goal for everybody, but it definitely feels like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I actually haven't seen uh, what kind of money that... Uh, Okay, Everyone so from putting their game on Game Pass, I can answer that. Uh, Cooking Simulator uh, for a three-year-old game it was released in 2019. Microsoft paid them six hundred thousand dollars to put it on Game Pass. Um, some of the larger titles get one to two million dollars. Also, a lot of the service games, you know, the games that normally have a primary cost, but then you have all this DLC and microtransactions uh, like MLB The Show. Sometimes they'll do that just because they know the money isn't at the um, isn't with the uh, isn't with the purchase of the game. It's from the purchase of the you know the DLC and the microtransactions. So a lot of those get on Game Pass. Uh, that's why Microsoft has been vacuuming up all these studios because they don't have to worry if they make their own games. Um, so yeah, as I said before, there are two options for developers: one, get a lump sum, or two, get per download. And a lot of indie developers do the lump sum. And indie developers especially love Game Pass because what people fail to un- understand is that indie developers make games not expecting to make any money whatsoever on them. They make them because they want to make them. There's, they make games for the love of it, essentially. So if Microsoft comes up and says, hey, um, we'll give you a million dollars for you to be on Game Pass for a year, they'll say yes. <laughs> Look at Spiritfarer. Yeah, it it well, does seem like a, a good deal all around. It's hard pressed not to say that. 
TJ, you were going to say something. Yeah, I mean, like if the, if if the deal is good, then yeah, it seems like a, it's a worthwhile destination, and it's good for the players too. Like, there's a lot of good stuff coming to Game Pass, and it's stuff that people probably might. There's a lot of players out there that might not play some of these games if they weren't if they weren't didn't if they if Xbox Game Pass didn't make it super easy to get in on them. Yeah, there was one fighting game I forgot the name of it, um, which I probably wouldn't try, but it was on Game Pass. So yeah, maybe I'll try it. Uh, Midnight, oh, damn, what's the name of that game? Midnight, um, you know the game, right? Midnight. Hmm. Hold on. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank on that for the moment. Oh, Midnight Fight Express. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, it's a game that I might not try. It's a beat-em-up that's uh, very violent, but has an has a, uh, a cel-shaded quality. I might try it out. So, anyways, um, but definitely, I'm gonna try. Uh, I'm gonna do Railway Empire 2 because it's the closest thing to the original Sid Meier's uh, Railroad Tycoon that I've played, and that includes the sequels. Railroad Tycoon 2 and 3 were nothing like the original game. This one is closer to the original game, so I'm looking forward to that one. Anyways, we're gonna move on to what we've been playing, and I'll start first. Um, I have Death Stranding, of course, because it's on Game Pass. I also got the uh, review copy of Saints Row Remastered. And neither game I'm going to touch for a while because I'm still playing Cult of the Lamb. <laughs> that, ga- that game has got me hooked. <laughs> have you played Cult of the Lamb? Uh, I have not gotten around to it yet. It looks delightful. Yeah, it's sort of a, it's sort of like a cross between Stardew Valley and The Binding of Isaac. The combat is very Binding of Isaac. It's a, it is a very dark kind of game. Maybe a little tongue-in-cheek there. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a ritual that you can do, which is ascension, in which um, you can ascend one of your followers to heaven. I usually do that with the elderly characters because they're going to die anyway. But, you and know, a- they the bright light, and they're lifted up, and they have a smile on their face, and it reaches the top, and then you hear crunch, 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 and all these bones and meat start piling down. <laughs> there's also that controller the fur covered controller I, I can't believe they made that because I feel like that's going to get dirty real fast yeah we discussed and, this like two weeks ago yeah oh, did, I didn't know we discussed it on the yeah, show yeah we discussed right? it Yeah, I forgot but it, um, it's the sort of game which you would assume it's going to be on Game Pass at some point as a matter of fact there was that rumor that Sony paid Devolver Digital not to to, to not have it on, on Game Pass Devolver Digital swore up and down that it's untrue I would not be surprised if Devolver Digital is lying. But on the other hand, I don't care. I bought the game. I bought the DLC, which is, you know, instead of paying $25, I paid $30. And um, it's worth every penny, you know. And it's uh, it's uh, one of those games in which, you know, you have to tear yourself away from. And I usually tear away from, uh, away from Cult of the Lamb to play Two Point Campus. Um, I'm now doing the archaeology uh, college, which is an interesting mechanic in which you can either sell the uh, antiquities or you can place them on your campus to, to raise the value of your campus. Hmm. So I'm still playing that. Um, you said you got you, you unlocked the, um, the the sandbox, right? Uh, yes. You must have rushed to do that, because I'm nowhere near doing that yet. Then again, I'm savoring the game too much. Yeah, I reviewed the game, so I, had, I kind of had to uh, make a 
fast track through a lot of it to get to, to see what the sky, what the sandbox looked like. Yeah. And again, it's, it's much better than, than hospital. I mean, hospital, if you want a, a puzzle game, this game is more, um, just a lot of planning. There's a lot of, um, you know, patience and planning, you know, I did the one in which you're in the rock school and you don't get paid at all. Instead, you only get paid when they level up. But then you get the orb and the orb pays you pays you every time one of them level up in their uh, in their in their club. Uh, the orb, by the way, is a thinly veiled version of Scientology. They made it kind of obvious. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, I'm really having a, a ball with that. I will get around to Death Stranding at some point. I posted a a uh, screenshot and say, Oh look, you know, at some point I have to start earning Xbox achievements for this or this Sony owned first party game, <laughs> which is being done against their will because five Oh five owns the PC rights. <laughs> it was one of the first games that Sony published on PC and they said they weren't going to do it themselves. They did it. They gave it to five Oh five and now they're regretting that decision. Anyways, what have you been playing Scott? I haven't played anything new besides Live Alive. I'm still going through that one. I'm on chapter eight, which is the second to the the, the second to last chapter. Uh, so I'm close to getting done with that game. Uh, played some Minecraft, you know, checking out the new 1.19 update. Uh, the uh, the ancient city is really a cool place. It's all dark, and if you Shut off the skulker squeakers. Uh, the the warden shows up, and I usually just run out of there so it doesn't uh, attack me. Uh, but yeah, it's and and then the caving in uh, Minecraft now is so different with all the new caves, the lush caves, the uh, dripstone caves. Uh, you even find icy snow caves and all sorts of different locations. And there's also these uh, different stratus of rock that. You're not playing it with like with uh, ray tracing, are you? Uh, no, I, I don't have. I, I can just imagine what it might look like with ray tracing. Oh yeah, shaders would look great on there. Um, but I just I do vanilla stuff, uh, and I'm on Java, so that doesn't have ray tracing. But the yeah, it's it's really a different experience now because you could just find a giant mountain that's just been hollowed out, and and you have this big you know, dark cavern to explore now, and it's uh. Really quite interesting. So what do you th- experience? What do you think of Steve with his goatee? I don't <laughs> know. I don't. Uh, I don't use the, that skin. I have my own skin that I have. Okay. So I, I never. I didn't. Uh, I don't use it. So it's no. I. I don't know. I, I. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I guess. Yeah, he used to have a beard a decade ago, didn't he? I guess I don't know. Yeah, like when Minecraft first that. came out, <laughs> I you know don't really use his skin. It's like a it's like a placeholder for, and then someone goes picks out the skin they actually want that reflects them or whatever yeah. mood they're in. So I, I I forget what Steve even looked like. He's in he's in Smash Brothers now. Come on, I don't play Smash Brothers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what have you been playing, TJ? Um. Let me see what I've got in my list. And you weren't tapped was, to review Cult of the Lamb. It's sad. I was uh I was playing a lot of Chris to Golf this last week. Oh, okay. That game. I was wondering about that game. It's fun. 
Um, so the idea behind it is you are a professional golfer who dies. You get struck by oh. lightning and go right to heck. Uh, <laughs> That's but, uh, interesting. But you end up in golf purgatory. And the only way out is to golf your way out <laughs> via oh. via an, basically an increasingly difficult cha- series of courses. It's a roguelike. So, like, and I mean, like, roguelite. So the levels, there's a preset amount of levels, but the types of levels that are handed to you on your way through a journey are randomized each time. By the way, we have to note that this is... um. Uh, uh, 2D, uh, you know, yes. platformer. Yes. And the point is to, like, basically get, you have five shots to navigate each level and get your, get your golf ball to the hole. And, uh, there are all sorts of both benefits and, and traps along the way, such as, like, graves where zombies will grab your ball and it'll count as a penalty stroke if you land near them. Uh, TNT, where you can open up different like tunnels and avenues through the course. Uh, you can hit uh, certain statues that will give you uh, more than five shots to make to finish the course. And then you got these cards that allow you to do uh, interesting different things. Like there's a time spot, stop card where you can activate it after you take your shot, and it will stop time, and your ball will drop out of the air wherever it was. Um, there's also one where it's like lead weight, where you're, once your ball lands, it won't bounce. It'll just land right where it's right where it hits. Um, you know, what the shocking very, thing very challenging. Yeah. Like, you know what the shocking where... thing about it is, this is, it's not published by team 17. It's, this is such a team 17 game. Did you ever see the, uh, golf RPG game? Would that be I... similar? I love that game. Uh, it's oh, what's it called? I think I think it's a uh, golf golf story. Yeah, and, that looks uh, really I, nice. I love that game. And uh, if you like if you like golf story, I think you'll really like uh, Krista Golf. It's pixel art. It's two D. It's it's got a it still plays like a golf game with all the frustrations that come with it. Yeah, I was about to say a lot of people say this is one of the hardest golf games ever made. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not easy. Um, but it's very fun. And, uh, as a rogue, like it does give you things that will help you do better each time. So, uh, yeah, I had, a, I've been having a lot of fun with this game. It's very fun. And I would, and I would recommend it to anyone that likes a good golf game. Yeah. Uh, what, did, what else did these guys make? Wonderful publishing is the name of the, uh, and I don't really see anything else. Uh, short ship. Oh, Curious. Oh, they were the ones who were behind the Curious Expedition games. Chu High Labs has also been around for a minute too. I I know them. Well, they're the developer. Uh huh. They're the developer, but I'm talking about the publisher. Um, uh, they've also published the Gunk and the Curious Expedition games. Uh, oh, and they did also did Steam World Pack. You know, uh, now that I think about it, the Curse of Golf does remind me a little bit of Steam World. Just a little bit. It actually reminds me more of Worms, but because Worms has yeah. a similar function there. Yeah, it's they've done a pretty good job. Of, they they have a pretty good catalog, and Chris Golf is just it's been an absolute delight. Okay. It's been frustrating at times because I swear to God, it feels like there is some levels that it just feels like you're not supposed to win if you get some of them. But dang, if I won't try. 
Mm. Anyways, before we move the game news, I have to ask, uh, do you want to buy that car, the Pokemon car? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Really? <laughs> when it's when its headlights light up, it looks like an angry car. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's a ridiculously high price right now. Probably it's a concept car, and um, here's the thing: it's a mini, so it's not going to be ridiculously priced. Um, uh, okay. But uh, just having Pikachu say you're you're fully charged. That was one of the most bizarre parts of Gamescom, by the way. That and him announcing a podcast. Are we supposed to care that Hideo Kojima is is, is doing a podcast? Um, I mean, it's Hideo Kojima, so if you're yeah, he's batshit crazy. Kojima. Yeah, um, he's bound to say something really weird. No, he's tell me that's crazy. I think he's actually kind of prescient. No, here's the thing. Tell. Tell me when Suda51 makes a, a podcast, then I'll listen. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're a fan, then you probably are, you're probably going to check it out. And power to them if they want to. But I think I thought it was very interesting that they used a part of opening Night Live to specifically rep a podcast that Hideo Kojima is doing. Anyways, we're going to move on to game news. Uh, first game news, Saber Interactive takes over working on Kodor Remake. And this comes to us from Bloomberg. The highly anticipated remake of the video game Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic has a new developer after a bumpy ride. The project, formerly in development at Austin, Texas-based Aspire Media, is now being led by one of Saber Interactive's Eastern European studios. According to a person familiar with the change who asked not to be identified because the details are private. Both owner developers are owned by the Swedish company Embracer Group AB, which obliquely referenced the pivot in a public statement last week. A representative for Embracer didn't immediately have a comment. Embracer said it is, quote-unquote, not expecting any material delays due to the transition, but the game, announced during a PlayStation event last year, does not have a public release date and is likely to uh, take at least two more years to finish, people with, uh, familiar with development said. Embracer's stock tumbled on Monday after lukewarm reviews of the upcoming game Saints Row, uh, and it's down 28% this year. Yeah, Saints Row is is getting treated like Crackdown 3, basically. So... But yeah, um, if you're going to remake a game, you might as well use Saber Interactive because um, they're kind of they're kind of experienced at it. Um, for one thing, they did all of the Halo remasters, Halo Anniversary, you know, Halo Two Anniversary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They did all the Crisis remasters, and they also remastered Ghostbusters. So at least it's it's something they're used to doing, and I think that's the main reason why they're put on Kotar is because they say, hey, you do remasters, remaster this for us. Wonder what went so wrong with Asper because Asper was doing all sorts of uh, Star Wars remakes and remasters right before this uh, was taken away from them. I have no idea, but they did they did something wrong. So they went with the people who do the big game remasters. Yeah, that's a shame though. Anyways, uh, we're going to go on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. Alrighty. Multiverses was July's biggest-selling game from PC Gamer. Warner Bros. or Warner Brothers character brawler Multiverses opens. Ignore that. <laughs> Warner Brothers character brawler Multiverses has taken the industry by storm since it arrived in open beta last month, but the scale of its popularity was recently confirmed by analytics group MPD, which reported oh sorry that uh, Multiverses 
It was the top-selling video game of last month, despite only landing on Steam on the 19th. Multiverses is a free-to-play game, but alongside in-game microtransactions, Warner Bros. also sells an array of Founders Packs for the game, which give players character tickets used for unlocking fighters. It was these Founder Packs that apparently launched Multiverses to the top of the sales charts. The success of Multiverses knocked Elden Ring down to second place. Only the second time this year that the From Software's fantasy phenomenon hasn't been in the top spot. The massive RPG remains the top, the overall top seller for the year, however, with Namco Bandai reporting that the game has sold almost 17 million copies since its launch in February. There is one important caveat to these rankings. While MPD's chart takes into account both physical and digital sales for most games, digital sales are not registered for two, the two Nintendo titles on the list. Namely, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and the eternally popular Mario Kart 8, placed at 4th and 7th on the list. It also doesn't track Xbox and digital sales for MLB The Show, which ranks 6th. So, um, this is still incredible. Like, the, the amount of, the sheer love for this game and the effort that they're putting into it is both... It's 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 a phenomenon to be sure. It's I I I'm not wild about playing multiverses myself, but I do like watching people who are good at the game play it. It's um it's very interesting to see in action. It's very interesting how many par- like the kind of parallels and the way it breaks away from uh, Smash Brothers. By the way, uh, you did predict one character. Uh, they've announced Morty. Uh, the the most outlandish one that we at Shack News predicted was uh, Stripe. We actually predicted Stripe from the Gremlins coming to the game. <laughs> um, it was a long shot, but like th- it is, it is wild to see what kind of characters they're putting in this game. Because like Black Adam, that movie is coming out, so of course they want to put Black Adam in the game. Strike from the Gremlins hasn't been seen since Gremlins 2. And it's like... Wait a minute, that was not Stripe, that was Mohawk. Come on. Still, it was a reincarnation of Stripe. <laughs> Either way... I'd rather I'd rather see Daffy, actually, if you really want to talk about it. <laughs> the thing is, like, everything... If, if Stripe is on the table, the real question is, who's not on the table? Like, that is a weird and obscure pick for this game. And it kind of tells you that, like, they're really going to go all out and pick anything and everything that sounds cool. You know, if Uh, they're going to do Morty, why not have Doc Brown? I mean, here's the thing. Warner Brothers did this with uh, Lego Universe. They had all these characters. I mean, do they have – no, they do have Shaggy. That's right. Um, And they have Scooby, I think. uh, What else was in Lego Universe that – oh, you know what? Would you imagine if they got the Simpsons in there? I can see it. I can see it happening. It's 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 wild. And this game is just going to continue to grow. It's not the most polished it could be, but they are actively working on that as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, just uh, just lately they buffed uh, Arya Stark, Harley Quinn, and Finn while they uh, they uh, nerfed uh, the Iron Giant. Yeah. And it's, and it's pretty blatantly clear that they are – actively and closely listening to feedback and operating on it to a detriment, I would almost say, because sometimes I feel like they move too quickly to try to fix issues in the game. And there was a recent issue where like they, they broke spectate mode because uh, they accidentally let 
part of a developer build slip into the public build. And I feel like that wouldn't happen if you were if you were taking your time and, and making sure that everything was fixed up instead of actively and quickly trying to address everything that comes up. Ooh, ooh, how about this one? How about this one? Brock Samson. Uh, we I would love to see any character from the Venture Brothers show up in this game. <laughs> <laughs> how about Doc Venture himself? <laughs> yeah. The Monarch, Brock Sampson, I, I could enjoy any character from that from that show in this game. I'm going to give you a rusty venture. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to continue to grow over time. Like, they, they have long plans for this game. It's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to be a thing. They just had their uh, first big tournament at EVO 2022, which exposed some problems with the game. But they're also fixing those problems. So it's going to be very cool to see how it continues to grow over time. Okay, next item. Uh, Scott, take Ooblets. Okay. City Skyline. No, no, no. Ooblets. Ooblets. What? Ooblets. The next one. Never mind. Just go ahead. Okay. Uh, City Skylines gets pedestrianization in new plazas and promenades expansion from Eurogamer. Paradox Interactive has unveiled new City Skylines expansion, plazas and promenades expansion, coming to PC, Xbox, and PlayStation soon. Plazas and Promenades, the 11th major expansion for developer Colossal Order's acclaimed city builder, brings a new pedestrianization focus to the game, giving budding urban planners the tools needed to add pedestrian-only streets, pedestrian zones, and zone-specific policies. Uh, The latter includes the likes of Slow Driving, which implements a 20-mile-per-hour speed limit for all non-highway roads within a pedestrian zone. Sugar Band, which increases citizen lifespan at the expense of happiness. <laughs> and, uh, wow, it's getting all civilization up in here. Uh, um, and music, increasing happiness, but also increasing noise pollution. Plazas and Promenades also introduces new city service buildings for increased happiness, plus three new district specializations, offices, high-density residential areas, and high-density commercial zones, each affecting zone districts and spawning buildings with different visual appearances and gameplay effects. Never one to shy away from yet more DLC, Paradox will also be releasing two new content creator packs, Mid-Century Modern by Rev Zero and Seaside Resorts by Giz, uh, plus two new radio stations, Paradise Radio and Shorelines Radio, all arriving alongside plazas and promenades. The expansion will cost $14.99 USD, and players looking to go all-in can get 15% off of everything via plazas and promenades bundle, which launches at the same time. You know, I was thinking about getting the City Skylines Humble Bundle, which had included every single DLC. The problem was um, it wasn't going to be on Windows 10 because I want achievements. So, But yeah, I mean, this is the sort of expansion that says mm, maybe I should – because I already own City Skylines, by the way. I own it on um, on Epic Game Store, and this is the sort of thing that makes me think, you know what? This is a, this is a, this is a DLC that I'd really, really want. You know, being able to add a pedestrian zone and stuff like that, this has a far more – this has a bigger effect than the other DLC all put together, really, in my eyes. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, that's it's interesting because they've done a lot of stuff to mess with uh, with population and and how they interact, such as like such as the tourism DLC uh, that added like theme parks and and roller and uh, Ferris wheels, not Ferris, yeah, Ferris wheels, and uh, attractions like that. But we haven't any had 
something like this that like very specifically focuses on like foot traffic and moving uh and moving citizenry around certain areas um i i think it's a neat little angle i think it's a neat little system as well and i'll be interested to see how it affects the overall game and planning yeah how about you uh, scott what do you think i think that's very interesting uh it kind of reminded me a little bit of the sims when they wanted to put sims in sim city and get really detailed in there um but i like that the, the policy you can get a little bit more intricate detail on affecting your uh, population making them uh healthier or, or happier with you know various add-ins um i think i'm still waiting for a gothic medieval uh texture pack <laughs> but um but I, I i like it it's a good expansion it looks like they've been doing a lot of them with 11 expansions now so that's pretty impressive may i add that uh paradox Inter- paradox interactive gets it because this is the sort of thing they do with crusader kings two and three and other stuff and how much ea dropped the ball with SimCity? how now SimCity is sort of an afterthought yeah it's a real shame they I, I don't know what it is. It, they don't seem to know what players want, or they just don't know how to execute it, or just I don't know what's going on. With focus, it. focus interactive monetized um, uh, uh, city skylines. I mean, part of me would be angry that they keep on adding this new stuff and new stuff and new stuff, and it's cost. If you want to get in the entire thing at base value, it's going to cost three hundred bucks. But on the other hand, EA thought, well, we can do monetization with online. <sighs> Whatever. This is this is explicitly an offline game, you know, but they're still making tons and tons of money because they built a strong game and iterated on it and iterated on it and iterated on it and iterated on it and kept on iterating on it. And that's getting them a lot of money and a lot of loyalty, because I know there are people out there who are City Skylines addicts, you know, because like the original Sim City, you know, you always want to get that one perfect city. It, it's a it's a nice sandbox game. I think games that are very flexible and allow you to get as many options and different kind of building, you could get a lot of mileage out of games like that. Yeah. Go ahead, TJ. I also, I also like the idea of a system that not only can I integrate into my ongoing city, but I can also maybe go back to the beginning and build up with that particular mechanic in mind and try to do something new with it. Yep. Like I said, EA dropped the ball. This is how you're supposed to do it if you're going to do a simulation. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. Ooblets is releasing in September. This comes from PC Gamer. After two years in early access and six years in development, Ooblets is doing a casual cha-cha into the full release on September 1st, 2022. This casually whimsical and cute Ooblets is a combination of creature collecting, farming, and life sin with a funky story and a lot of weirdo characters to meet. The quirky adventure comes by way of indie developer and publisher duo Lumberland. The full release promises to include new locations, quests, and a conclusion to the main Ooblets storyline. You can find the full release of Ooblets on the Epic, uh, Epic Store in September. It'll also be on Switch and the Xbox, but it also has a page on Steam, but there's no release date, meaning Epic has a exclusivity agreement with them. Um, I did play this two years ago, um, and basically it's Pokemon meets uh, 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 Stardew Valley, and I love the fact that when you have Ooblets fight, they don't fight. They have a dance-off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they dance which is a good way of making something like cockfighting and turning it fun. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no actual like things beating each other up in this game. It's all feel good, which is pretty nice. Like it's a pretty nice change for the gaming scene where like 
Pokemon is legalized dogfighting. I'm, I'm there, I said it. <laughs> it's also free-range children, too. <laughs> oh, is this the one where obelisks have guns and stuff? No, what? no, that's a different funny game. Okay. No, Ooblets <laughs> is the one in which uh, you raise your your Ooblets, aka Pokemon, and when you have Ooblets matches, they they have a dance battle, and there are certain uh, um you know you have certain moves. Uh, some of them make your opponent tired. Some of them energize you, and so on and so forth. Some are really good and give you more points. Okay. It's really charming. Okay. Yeah. This. Is, okay. This wasn't the game I was trying to think of i know there was another game that well it, it was it was like pokemon but then they had guns i know i'm just thinking ooblets with guns it's like no right, okay that's, that's yeah, not this, oh, game. this is the cute this is this is the cute nice pokemon farming game okay yeah yeah uh you do a lot of it also reminds me of my time at porsche as well oh uh, yeah yeah i could see that it's it's le- you know it's less Stardew Valley it's more my time at Porsche really so yeah I mean uh, this game is charming any anybody can play it any age um, but it, it, it's surprising it has a deep system so it's not it's not a shallow game either so if you want if you want something that to kick off like spend an hour playing and then do something else this is the game for you yeah I can wholeheartedly recommend it as well I played it as well it's if you're looking for a non-violent game, this is a good one. Like, there there aren't too many games out there these days that you are just completely non-violent, and I know that there are some people that kind of look for that kind of stuff, especially for their kids. I would wholeheartedly recommend Ooblets to anyone who's looking for something fun for their kids. And like I said, it's a deep game. You know, it has some it has some uh, deep algorithms. You know, there's, stuff, there's a lot of stuff to do with it. It's not just some shallow game. Like some games I mentioned, oh god, what was the name of that game I gave you, uh, uh, Scott? Uh, Yonder? Oh god, that was so shallow. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I think I did play Yonder. Um, I, I sent it to you. It's a it's a shallow game. That game. It was very yeah. It was very uh, very chill, and there wasn't a whole lot to do. You're just kind of exploring and just yeah, not. No, it's sort of like going. you need you need wood to do this. So go find some wood. Oh, you need this to do that. Oh, you need this to do... It's just like Fetch Quest, the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the other hand, you know, uh, like I, like Ooblets, the, it's for any age, so it's sort of like baby's first Stardew. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. Sony sued for $5 billion, Is that year? Pounds. That's pounds. Pounds. Uh, for Sony sued for £5 billion pounds for ripping people off on PlayStation Store from Eurogamer. Sony is being sued for five billion pounds, accused of, quote, ripping people off on its online store. The legal claim is led by ex-managing director of Witch UK, Alex Neal, and was filed with the Competition Appeal Tribunal last week. It claims by charging a 30% commission on digital games and endgame purchases on the, th- on the PlayStation Store, Sony is in breach of competition law. Sony is accused of abusing market power by Im- imposing unfair terms and conditions on game developers and publishers, forces p- forcing prices up for consumers, reports Sky News. The legal action states consumers have been overcharged by as much as £5 billion. Pounds. Anyone who, in the UK who has purchased content on the store since the 19th of August 2016 is included in the claim and, put, and is potentially entitled to compensation, said to be 9 million people. So they're going to get <laughs> – um, 
two pounds each. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, 20 pounds. Oh, no, that's 2,000 pounds. Actually, that's a lot. I was about to say it was going to be as much for uh, uh Oh, I'm here. Put damages bet- between claimant from yeah, yeah, yeah. 67 pounds to 562 pounds. Yeah, so um, basically double that for dollars. I, I, it's a it's a shallow it's a shallow conversion, but yeah, a thousand bucks. <laughs> so the 30 percent cut from Sony is an industry standard, in line with other game companies like Microsoft, Steam, and the App Store. It's unclear exactly why Sony is the sole target of this claim. I can answer that question. Somebody that's, mad at? <laughs> it's no, no. It's it's very very simple. Sony is small compared to Microsoft, Valve, and Apple. Those three make that much more than Sony. Probable. Like in comparison to Microsoft and Valve, yes, Sony is and small. And Apple. So what happens is uh, Sony can't really, uh, you know, fight this as well as Microsoft, Apple, and, and and Valve could. So what happens is that once Sony, if Sony is defeated, well then now you have a precedent, and you don't have to fight Microsoft, Steam, and App and Apple. Because right there, you know, they have a precedent. Hey, look, we got the Sony on this. That means you have no defense. So it's sort of like a sneaking your way in. If, if you can get Sony and you can make them guilty, then the rest are guilty too. So they're picking on the smallest of the of the people doing it, of the games. I have no idea what Nintendo is charging. <laughs> 50%, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, because it's like all of... Uh... Square Enix's new games are $60, and so I wouldn't be surprised. Now, you might notice that Epic is not mentioned because they do 17%. Okay? They deliberately undercut it so that they can get exclusives. But if they could do 30%, they would. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Um, if Sony is defeated, then it's going to have a lot of reverberations here. Because then Microsoft, Steam, and, a- and Apple will have to uh, pay up. I wonder... <laughs> I like it's the console wars aren't really a thing like they used to be, right? Like Sony. Well, I mean, Sony, Sony paying people not to have crossplay and paying people not to have Game Pass—that is a console war-y thing to do. <laughs> I, it is, but it's not as like prescient as it. Is. There's no like, there's no like Sega being like Sega does what Nintendo anymore. It's more. That was just, charming. <laughs> That was char- that's more charming than the Apple versus Epic lawsuit. <laughs> and so I wonder, if Apple or Microsoft see the writing on the wall, do they assist Sony in this the way that, say, Microsoft assisted Epic Game Store a little bit in their lawsuit with, uh, with uh, Apple? I don't know, because Microsoft is already proofing themselves against this with Game Pass, you know. They're looking for alternative methods of making money, and the biggest way to make money is have a subscription service, which makes guess what? The percentage, there is no percentage. It's free. We're just we're just charging a, a subscription fee. That's it. You know, so you don't have, they don't have to worry about thirty percent, fifteen percent on sales. If they say, oh well, now we'll have to do seventeen percent like like Epic, that's fine. We have Game Pass too, and we have our other businesses. The only business Sony has besides um. Besides PlayStation, that's making any money is their uh, legal contract uh, office, which does le- uh, business contracts. Uh, their, their TVs aren't selling. Their other electronics aren't selling. The only electronics that they're selling is PlayStation. And their um, – I, I forgot what it is. Um, I know it's a legal contract. I don't know if it's divorce papers or something. It's just something that you would never expect Sony to be doing. 
you know, some 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 side business. But yeah, uh, Sony is the small one here, and they're targeting Sony because if they win, then the other ones will have to come. And Microsoft, Steam, and here's the thing: Valve is making handfuls of money. I don't think they care too much. If it goes down to, say, 17%, I mean, it's going to take a chunk out of their profits, but they're still going to make a crap ton of money because they're basically the only game in town, Microsoft and Epic notwithstanding, you know. Apple? Apple also might not care because their App Store is also the only game in town. Yeah, I have an Android, I know. Guess what? Apple Store is bigger than the Android store, uh, Google Play Store. It's much bigger. Yeah, so. Microsoft and Apple don't care as much. Valve doesn't care as much. I mean, they do care in that it'll be taking away money, but they have backup plans. You know, Sony doesn't have that. Yeah. We're talking about the difference between Apple and Microsoft are trillion-dollar companies, and Sony is – they're a billion-dollar company, but they're still only a billion-dollar company. Microsoft will just charge $10 more for the next Windows. Boom, we got our money back. Oh, we're going to add five cents – no, one cent per hour – on our cloud services uh, subscription, boom, they got their money back. You know? Mm-hmm. Apple's legal problems have nothing to do with money. <laughs> well, it does, but I'm just saying it has less to do with how much they're, they're making and what they're doing with uh, with their uh, – uh, and Valve just added a penny to everything, and boom, they're making their money back. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Like, this is going to be a case definitely worth following, especially because, as you mentioned – if it doesn't go in Sony's favor, then you're talking about a precedent that could change a lot of things. Do your thing. It's not going to be a precedent for gamers. It's going to be a precedent for indie developers, for the most part, and publishers too. Actually, the one thing that it might do would convince uh, uh, people like EA not to have their own storefront because that's the entire point of having their own storefront because they didn't want to pay Valve for DLC. That was their big thing. We don't want to. We don't mind giving up the thirty percent if they buy the base game, but the DLC—that's where we make our money. We don't want that. Which is why you never saw Dragon Age on Valve on uh, Steam until they had the bundle, which had all the DLC included. Because then, you know, it's just a one-time uh, deal. It'll be interesting. Um, on a side note, uh, Microsoft got their first approval for their merger with Activision uh, in Saudi Arabia, so it's the first of I think many to do it. So it'll be interesting to see when um, Microsoft and Activision successfully make the merger and then rake Sony over the coals with uh, Call of Duty. <laughs> you know, I here's the thing. I think what's going to happen is that um, Microsoft is not going to pull Call of Duty, at least not the free-to-play one. I think the free-to-play Call of Duty will always be available to Sony. That's just a, That's just a guess. And they'll make the single-player Call of Duty game separate. That's <laughs> uh, Oh, that's the other thing. Thank God Microsoft is buying Activision because Microsoft's going to tell them, listen, single-player games make us money on the on, on Game Pass. We want some single-player games. Yeah. It will uh, we'll be very interested to see how things roll. And, I mean, like, there, there are definitely folks out there that are still pushing the single-player experience. And, I mean, there's a lot of folks at Sony that are pushing the single player experience. I uh I appreciate that a lot because I don't feel like playing multiplayer all the time and in fact a lot of multiplayer games just piss me off. I don't want to play multiplayer. <laughs> um yeah. consider me a uh uh a uh oh what's it called? Uh, a, a hermit. 
you know, I don't want to deal with these people. <laughs> um, oh, on a side note, uh, this reminds me, you know, the other thing about Game Pass is that um, it allows people to experiment, like uh, the Gears uh, Xbox game, uh, Gears Tactics. Now, it never been made without Game Pass. And now I'm thinking about Microsoft and Activision. They're going to go around to every single developer or team and say, what do you want to make? And if Vicarious Visions were still a developer, maybe all their people are still in one place, Microsoft may tell them, hey, what do you want to make? Yeah. Uh, that seems to have been – you know, you know who does that a lot is Embracer Group, where they buy up these studios – but they kind of just let them continue to do what they do best. And that's kind of like what we've seen with Coffee Stain. That's what we've seen with Yeah, Coffee THQ. Stain, their Goat Simulator 3 coming soon. Mm-hmm. Like, like Embracer Group doesn't step in at all and say, uh, you're really going to keep making the game about the goat? No, they just like, you just get, they're just like, we're going to buy you. Please just keep, go ahead and make, keep, go ahead and keep making the game about the goat. And also Deep Rock Galactic, which is another phenomenal game. <laughs> um, and so, like, I, I really appreciate that. Like, it, it, it really does feel like Evil Empire sometimes, how much Embracer and, and Tencent and certain companies are just buying up everything and, and hoarding them into their umbrella. But at the very least, Embracer doesn't, like, meddle too much, it seems. Yeah, by the way, Coffee Stain is a weird one because they're both a developer and a publisher, but they have um, they have Embracer above them, too. Because mm-hmm. um, they, they published Valheim, which was developed yeah. by Iron Gate. Yeah, and there's, like, there's a ton of stuff under Embracer that's kind of like that, where they, they, they sometimes develop games, but they also publish other games while also being in the new, under the Embracer umbrella. Yeah, we call it the uh, the uh, we call it the Team 17 progression. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Um Starfield at Gamescom may still happen. This is from PC Games N. Starfield at Gamescom may still be a reality as Skyrim and follow-up developer Bethesda seems to once again alter its plans for Starfield gameplay trailer at the Expo in Germany uh, with a possible Starfield release date. Bethesda initially invited Gamescom attenders via a post on its developer blog to come see Redfall and Starfield gameplay and get your hands on Fallout 76 while you're there referencing not only its upcoming space venture, but its apocalyptic online shooter and vampire FPS in development by Dishonored making Arcane. Uh, this original post was lar- lar- yeah, later changed, however, telling players to come see a replay of Xbox and Bethesda's game showcase gameplay presentations for Redfall and Starfield, seemingly confirming that any Starfield footage at Gamescom will be simply from the first gameplay trailer released back in June. Now, though, Bethesda seems to be having seems to have changed its plans once again, as the same developer blog has once again been altered, this time to remove mention of Starfield and Redfall altogether. Fans can apparently still get a photo with Vasco, the RPGs were by the companion, but there is nothing at all about Starfield gameplay, new or old, on one hand, this could confirm there are still absolutely this can confirm there will be absolutely no Starfield in any form at the trade show in Germany. 
On the other hand, it could be that Bethesda is planning a surprise reveal separate from the original gameplay trailer. Starfield fans are uncertain. I think I would have to say uh, Todd Howard has maybe learned a lesson from previous uh, game releases and making sure that everything is actually uh, in in line with what it needs to be uh, before showing stuff. So they might not actually be ready to show things for whatever reason. Yeah, um, they did have the long, long uh, developer uh, diary about Redfall. Did you see that, TJ? I haven't had a chance to take a deep dive into it, but from what I was hearing from other folks, it was sounding like uh, they talked about kind of where the DNA of uh, of games like, uh, oh my gosh. Dishonored? <laughs> Dishonored? Prey? They talked about how it wasn't going to be like Prey, in which it wasn't going to be jump scares. It was going to be creepy instead. Um, yeah, and and like the they talked about a bit of where the Dishonored DNA falls into there too, with like how you'll explore and how you'll discover and how things will change as you as you uh, interact with the environment or let things go one way or the other with certain quests. Which I dig that that's the arcane way, and I really appreciate that here. I've always liked the way that Arcane handles their quest progression and the way it affects the world. Yeah. Like I said, um, but still, Starfield is my shit. So we're, uh, I'm hoping that there will be something new there. If not, that's fine. Um, did, did Redfall get a release date? I think it was February 2023 it's or something. It's still set for like early 2023 right now, like spring 2023, if I recall correctly. Someone got a February 2023 release date, and I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, was it a Bethe- was it a Bethesda thing? I'm not sure. I know it had something to do with Microsoft or my an Xbox game. Hmm. It actually got an exact release date. Um, oh right, Dead Island 2 uh, gets a 2020 uh, February 2023 release date. What a revival! I mean revival. <laughs> It's 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 almost vaporware is what it was. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's been so weird the development path of that game, and I don't think anyone thought it was ever going to come out at this point, and now it's coming out February next year. I thought it already came out for some reason. It's like in my head, in my head, I thought it'd come out. You might be thinking of Dead Island Riptide. Yeah, that's probably it. So. Um, either way, it's it's very interesting to see it in action again. And they actually even showed gameplay. At first, they they just showed the cinematic, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So we're going to see a delay on this game when it comes to February. And then they actually showed gameplay, and the gameplay didn't even look that half bad. And a reminder, Techno- Techland was not involved with Dead Island 2. That's why they did their other zombie game. Uh, no, damn it. Uh, you know the game. But <laughs> my brain is hiccuping on the game that Techland made. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Because, like, I think there's room for both of these games. I really do like Dying Light 2. Yeah, Dying Light. Way. That's the name of the game. Dying I Light, like Dying, Dying Light like is, Dying is – they made Dying Light because they lost, they lost the Dead Island IP. Right. And I think they've done a good job with it. Like, you can say that they've stumbled along the way, and I think that's valid, because they definitely have. But I also think that Dying Light 2 has taken on a different identity enough from Dead Island, where Dead Island will be a a, a refreshing flavor that's different. 
Yeah, I mean, um, first first it was Jaeger who worked on Dead Island 2, and then it's Sumo. Yeah, it's it's someone relatively newish now. It's it's a uh, it's still uh, Sumo got pulled off the project. Like they've gone through three different developers at this point. They're on their fourth, I think. By the way, um, for those of you wondering what happened to Goat Simulator 2, there is no Goat Simulator 2. <laughs> they decided to skip from Goat Simulator 1 to Goat Simulator 3 just for shits and giggles. So that's like the uh, missing Lazy Shoot Larry 4. It doesn't exist. <laughs> they just want yeah, except except there was never an attempt to make a Goat Simulator 2. The, uh, I mean, Lazy Shoot Larry 4 was a started project, but they, they abandoned it. In this case, it was never it never existed. By the way, um, they used uh, Goat Simulator uh, 3 actually used uh, the tra- uh, elements from the Dead Island 2 trailer before uh, as a bait and switch before showing the before showing the goats. I don't know if anybody noticed that. That was the joke. Hmm. Yes. Yes. I, I, I appreciated that very much. I liked what they did with it because that Dead Island 2 trailer had been around for such a long time. And uh, back when everybody was like, this is vaporware, it's never coming out. And then it was funny to see uh, Goat Island riff off of that in such a spectacular top-to-bottom way. Anyways, we're going to go with listener feedback. Uh, first is Daniel said, love to talk about sharing achievements across consoles and PCs. And um, hopefully for PlayStation PC users, they'll be able to share uh, trophies across consoles and PCs, too. That would be very useful. Uh, TJ, next one. Okay. Uh, our next one comes from Keto, which is great show. Always fun to hang out with the guys. I'm I'm psyched to finally be able to check out Spider-Man, which, as for those who don't know, Spider-Man, uh, the game came to PC recently. Right. Remastered, which means it came with all the uh, DLC that was in the original Spider-Man release. Yep. And it comes with uh, it features widescreen support. Which I've seen people go way to the max with with <laughs> screen support in that game. I've seen full like <laughs> I've seen like we're talking like ten eighty three thousand horizontal, <laughs> and it's incre- it's impressive to see what that game could do when people push it to the max with a beefy PC. Yeah. Anyways. Um... Uh, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy your feedback, so leave us comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, hit us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us at iTunes, list, iTunes comments. Uh, we will talk about Gamescom next week uh, when it's over. And um, hopefully you'll enjoy seeing that. And uh, hopefully there's some new announcements. Definitely some things I'm looking forward to. For sure. Anyways, uh, we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun, be cool, play games, y'all.